Well, let me begin by saying good morning again and welcome now not only to those of you who are here in our traditional sanctuary, but welcome especially now also to those of you joining us in our contemporary service and also online and via broadcast. I'm glad that we had this opportunity to learn together from God's Word, together as one church family, even if we're in different places. Speaking of which, if you have a Bible with you this morning want to follow along, we'll be opening the Bible up in a few minutes. If you don't have one and you'd like to follow along, our ushers are going to come up the aisles in both of our worship venues in just a moment. And if you'd like to borrow a Bible from them during this hour, please feel free to do that. And you can just stick it on the rack or the table in the back of the room after this worship service today. We're going to be reading a story today that I think is a story of some pretty tremendous courage and love and vision. It's a story of some people who took the risk not only to serve God in their own lifetime, but also to get on board with what God was doing beyond them and out of their control which can be a pretty scary thing. But they were investing in, the, in their Christian legacy. They were running the race that God had laid before them, but they were also passing the baton to those who would run after them. And let me get started here by asking you if you've ever seen one of these things. This is a relay baton, probably many of you have. A little show of hands, I'm not expecting many, but how many of you have ever actually run in a relay and used the baton like this? Have you done that? Yeah, more maybe than I thought. I met like a track star at the last service. I didn't even know. He'd been to college on a track scholarship. This is a, a relay baton. And I've had a lot of fun, a lot of good experiences with relay batons in the past. I used to run track in high school and college and have done some road races since that time that were also kind of creative relay races. And uh, I love the experience of being in a relay and taking the baton from somebody who has laid it out there before me. They have done their best, and they've brought it as far as they can, as fast as they can, and they give it to me, and I, I just love that privilege of receiving that and now running my race, and I love when I get to the end, and I've laid it out there, and I'm doing my best to set somebody else up, and I put it in their hand, and they take off, and then once you give it, put it in their hand, you let go, and you, and you watch them run their lap, and I've run in a lot of relays, and I think there's a, there's a lot of training that goes into it, as a matter of fact, and pretty complicated, a lot of preparation, but right at that key moment where the handoff is being made, I think there are at least two kind of critical phases that have to be executed well or the team is going to have a problem. And if they are executed well, the team will do well. The first phase, I would say, let's call it hand it off. you got to put it squarely in somebody else's hand. you got to make sure they've got it. And that isn't usually a long time, but there is some duration of time, and it might vary a little bit based on the race, but there is some duration of time when the baton is in both hands. And then once you have handed it off, your next step is cheer them on. Hand it off, cheer them on. Because you've got to take your hand off. You can't keep holding it. There's going to be a problem. And once you let go, you can do something else with your hands. Once you've coasted to a stop and caught your breath, you can put your hands together and just start cheering for the next runner in the relay to do as well as they can. And when I think about relay races like this, I also think to myself, that I want to do this well in life, not just in running races, but in my life. I've received some good handoffs in life that I can be really grateful for. I think back to both of my grandfathers, my, my dad's father and my mom's father, and I feel like they provided some good grandparent, and my grandmother's also, provided some good handoffs. I learned this kind of selfless, tireless work ethic from both of my grandfathers that I'm very grateful to have seen and received. I, I think about my own parents who made a good handoff to my sister and me. They provided us a stable, loving home to grow up in and provided us a model for being parents ourselves, a loving and devoted model. I'm grateful for that. 
I think about people who have mentored me as a Christian over the years or have mentored me as a pastor over the years, and I'm really grateful for those handoffs. And, and now I get to run my leg of the race, and I have handoffs to make along the way. I think we all make handoffs kind of every day, smaller handoffs. And as we get toward the end of our lives, we prepare to make a big handoff. All of us are in this journey at some point. We have all received handoffs of some kind. Some of us have received handoffs that put us in really good position. We took the baton in the lead and in stride, and we can be really grateful for a good start in life. Some of us have also not received some of the best handoffs in life. Maybe some people in your life have handed you something that feels a lot more like a weight than a baton to carry, and that's made it a difficult start for you and caused you some challenge while you run the course of your life. Maybe somebody put the baton in your hand, but they just weren't real interested in that letting go part. They forgot to cheer them on. And so that's kind of a controlling thing, and that becomes a weight that you carry that drags you down in many ways. Maybe there was some tripping up as the handoff was made. And maybe you have some things that you have to overcome and forgive and change if you're going to be able to make any forward progress in your race. Last week, some of the Bible passages that we read gave us the opportunity to reflect on the hills that we have to climb as we run the race of our lives. And I hope it was a comfort to you if you were here last week, and I'd just like to remind you right now that the hills that we climb in life are sometimes not surmountable by our own strength. But as disciples of Jesus, we are recipients of the good news of God's grace and strength, that he will carry us to the top of the hills that he puts before us, including the hill at the very end of our lives. I don't know what the start was like for you. I don't know what the handoff was that you received, and the start matters. But you know what matters more than the start? What matters more than the start is how you run and how you finish and the handoff that you make. We all make handoffs kind of over the course of our lives. We make little ones every day. We make handoffs all the time with the people who are our family and our friends. The way that you treat them leaves a little legacy behind. The words and the actions that you share leaves a little wake behind you, and it affects the rest of how they progress and you progress together. Maybe think of the anonymous interactions that you have probably on a daily basis with people who help you in restaurants or stores or places that you go. You know, what you hand off to them in those interactions and how you hand it off leaves a little bit of a legacy, probably for the next interaction that they have. Maybe the clients and the customers that you work with at work, what you hand off to them and how you hand it off leaves a little bit of a legacy there. It might affect the way that they do business with the next people they encounter. It may very well affect the ongoing relationship that you have with them. You leave a little bit of a legacy in those encounters. For those of you who are parents, I probably don't need to tell you that you are in the process of or somewhere along the journey of making a very critical and probably very extended handoff. In that case, the baton is in both hands for a pretty significant period of time. And probably you want nothing in life more than you want to make that handoff well. Well, maybe there's a career for you or a life project of some kind that's a mark that you're making and it's a part of your legacy and you want to be able to hand it off or hand it down to another generation. We all have baton passes that we are making. And if you are a Christian, I don't know where each of you are on your spiritual journey, but if you are someone who's already a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you have received an amazing gift. You get to know God and live life in the Jesus way. And so you know the character of God as Jesus represents it and teaches it to us. You know that God comes to you with grace and 
calls you his child and welcomes you to his family, not because of who you are or what you've done or where you've been. Many times it's in spite of those things. But because of a decision that God made to call you his child. And that's a powerful and a tremendous gift. You know the presence of God in Jesus Christ in your life. You also, if you are a Christian, you are an inheritor of a grand legacy and a grand story. You are being written into the story of God in this world that began at the beginning of time. And it has been handed down generation after generation after generation until it has reached us. And now here we are in this place and we get to run our race, the race that is set before us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says. And in our life, we're looking for ways to hand the baton off, to equip and enable others to follow Jesus. And sometime near the end of our lives, we're looking to make a big handoff and hand it on to another generation. And I have had the opportunity in life to see Christians do this really well and set up other Christians and set up other generations for their run. They're looking for the opportunity to hand it off and cheer them on. But I also know that sometimes we struggle with this. It's not a no-brainer. Sometimes the fact that we got a tough handoff at the beginning gives us a vision for a kind of a difficult handoff that we would make at the end. Sometimes we don't want to let go of the baton. We want to kind of be controlling with it. Sometimes we trip people up. But we all really want to do this well. And I want to share with you this story from Acts chapter 15 this morning that we heard read in both of our worship venues already and review that and take a look at it. Because it's a story of some Christians who were making a handoff at a very, very critical juncture in this large, grand story that we have inherited. And in this story, it kind of looks at first like maybe they're going to drop the baton or flub the handoff. But at the last minute, they kind of save it. And they hand the baton down in a way that they hand it off and they cheer us on. I want to share that story with you this morning in the hopes that it can help us with the handoffs that we receive and the handoffs that we make. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to start reading it in a minute or two. In Acts chapter 15, you can turn there with me. It's on page 1618, by the way, of your Quest Bibles, if you're using one of those. And in just a minute, we're going to read the opening verses of that story. But first, let me share with you why we have this story, kind of what gives this occasion to us. Way back at the beginning of Christianity, nearly 2,000 years ago, most people who knew the gospel, and the gospel is the news, it's the announcement of what God has done to save us in the world in Jesus Christ through Jesus' teaching and his life and his death and his resurrection from the dead. And most of the people who knew the gospel were Jewish Christians. They were Jewish disciples of Jesus because Jesus was himself Jewish. He was the Messiah originally, the people of Israel. But as we've been reading in the book of Acts for the last few weeks, we're seeing the gospel leak out to more and more people. A few weeks ago, we read this crazy story of God sending an early Christian leader named Philip out to an Ethiopian official that he never would have had any reason to meet in life, but the Spirit takes him there and leads him there, and Philip shares the gospel with a non-Jewish person, one of the first times that we read about this. A week after that, we read the story of Peter and Cornelius, and God visited these guys. Peter was a Christian apostle, and Cornelius was an Italian military commander stationed in Israel. And God gives them both dreams and puts them together, and Peter shares the gospel of Jesus with Cornelius, and their lives are both changed. And 
Last week we read the story of the Holy Spirit of God speaking into a community of Christians to a church and saying, send off two men. Their names are Paul and Barnabas. Send them off. And they, they went on like the world's first international missionary trip and they went to several cities in ancient central southern Turkey. And they went and they told all kinds of people, Jew and Gentile, that's the word for non-Jewish people, Jew and Gentile alike about Jesus. And all kinds of people were coming to know God because of this. And they came back and told the church in a city called Antioch, where they had been sent out from. They told them about that, and there was a lot of rejoicing. The Bible tells us that this thing that had happened made many people very glad. And we should acknowledge that as they did this, by the way, that they were running a very new lap in the race of the gospel. Up to this point, this was pretty unprecedented. They were going out to new places. God was setting a new course. And there were a lot of people who thought that this new lap was great news. It was great news. But there were also people who thought that this new lap was a wrong turn. That the baton had been handed off. And it wasn't a new lap under the leadership of God, but they had gotten completely off course. Some of the Jewish Christians said, no, 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 this can't happen. Gentiles can't come to know Jesus. First, they have to obey God's law. Then they can know God's Lord. First they have to obey God's law, then they can know God's Savior or salvation. Well, they had to figure this out. I want to show you how the story starts here in Acts chapter 15. So if you turn there, it's page 16, 18, again I said, in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. It says here that certain people came down from Judea, that's kind of where Christianity started, that's where the city of Jerusalem is, to Antioch, that's the city that Paul and Barnabas got sent out from and came back to, and they were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, and that basically stands for, unless you obey the Old Testament law, you cannot be saved. Now this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. I love gentle biblical language. This brought them into sharp dispute. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church had to get together and pray about this and read scripture and discern, is this new lap, is this a lap in the race that God is leading us on or is it a wrong turn? How are we gonna make this handoff and make it well? So they go to Jerusalem and there's basically two positions that I've kind of explained already. One is the position, and by the way, this is held by some Christian Pharisees, which may sound kind of weird if you have some passing familiarity with the gospel stories of Jesus' life, because in a lot of those stories, it's like Pharisees versus Jesus. But a lot of the Pharisees who, to be a Pharisee just meant you had a certain way of interpreting God's law. Well, some of them, after they saw that Jesus had been raised from the dead, realized he must be the Messiah. This guy must be for real. So they became followers of Jesus, but they were still sorting out what that meant for how to interpret the Old Testament law. Well, some of the Pharisees, their opinion at this point was, no, Gentiles can't become followers of Jesus unless they first become followers of the law. If you want to read how they put their position, this is what they said in Acts chapter 15, verse 5. Still same page. We're going to be right there during the message today. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. But there are other Christian leaders who said, no, that's not how it goes. And Peter, among others, stood up and he told people about his experience with Cornelius and how God's Spirit had reached Cornelius. And Paul and Barnabas told about their journey. And this is what the Bible says about that testimony in Acts 15, 12. I think this is page 16, 19. Let's turn the page there. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles 
through them. So they had to make a decision. Which way is it? And they read scripture together and they saw that in the prophets, God had foretold that this would happen, that his good news would reach not just Israel, but all the nations of the world. And they prayed together and eventually they said, and I love this line from Acts 15, they said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us as we've prayed about it and reflected on this. And now it seems good to us that we should not make it hard for people to turn to God. Good idea, right? So they said, the, the Gentiles don't have to obey the Old Testament law, but we do need to give them some teaching. And the couple of things that they passed on to the Gentiles is they agreed to teach them, you shouldn't participate in the feasts anymore of the idols that you used to worship. So don't eat the meat that's sacrificed. They used to sacrifice like bulls and goats and other animals in the worship of these other idols. And so don't, so don't participate in these big festivals anymore. And also, probably you shouldn't participate anymore in all of the immorality, and very often it was sexual immorality, that would go along with these festivals. So what they were saying, I think, they were taking the deposit of Christian teaching that they had received from Jesus himself, saying, we're going to hand this off to you, and we're going to make sure that you are running the course of your life and discipleship in a way that follows Jesus and honors God. We're going to set you off on the right track. And once we have handed it off, we're going to cheer you on. And now you've got to run this new lap. You've got to run this new lap that God is leading you toward. And so then they would cheer them on. They executed this great handoff. When I think about the way that, the, that these handoffs now can work again in our own lives, before we even get to thinking about the handoffs that we make, I think the first priority for us is to honor the legacy of those who ran before us and handed the baton to us. And if you are sitting here today or if you are watching online, there's been somebody in your life who has nudged you or helped you or set your course to get to this place. None of us are an island. We don't do this in alone. And we can be grateful for them wherever it is that you find yourself in your spiritual journey right now. Maybe it was a grandparent or a parent who planted some seeds of faith in you at some point in your life and helped nurture and water that growth up to wherever it is now. Maybe it was some people in a church that you knew or were a part of when you were growing up who built into you as a child and affected the course of your life. Maybe it was somebody who's come alongside you and provided some direction or course correction in your adult life. But people have built into us and handed off batons to bring us to this place. And if you think, if you know who those people are and you still know how to find them or contact them, if you thank them for that, if you would reach out to them in response to this story in the scriptures and thank them for that, you would bless their socks off. That'd be a great thing in their life. But it's not just what God does to us in our individual lives, but this happens to us in a community also. You know, in my office here, as well as in a few other places, because there's so much of it, I keep some materials in a drawer, a cabinet in my office, that includes some of the documents and stories of some of the Christians who have gone before us here in this church family, here at First Lutheran Church. And when I think about those who have handed the baton in this church family to bring us to this place, I mean, I begin by thinking of those Swedish and German immigrants who began gathering in the late 1800s, and they formed two little small groups or very small churches, and they began to worship together and to strengthen one another with the gospel and to strengthen one another as disciples of Jesus. And, and they continued to worship and meet together for several decades until it came to be the 1920s. And in 1929, they decided, you know, it'd probably be okay if we spoke English together now and we could lead our worship services in English, and we could merge our two churches. Now, this doesn't seem like such a radical idea in 2013, but change is risky whenever you do it. 
And they had the courage to make this handoff and to run this new lap. And they executed a tricky but critical handoff very well. And we're grateful for that legacy. I think about the people who in 1958 were a part of this church family and they moved its location. They moved the house of worship for First Lutheran Church from up and downtown White Bear Lake to this location. And that was a risky handoff. And they had to move to a whole new place. But they executed that handoff very well. They handed it off and they cheered them on. And we are recipients of that legacy. I think about the people right about the turn of the last century, 1999 and 2000, when this church had just completed a tough lap in its life. It was uphill and into the wind. But there were leaders in this congregation who said, you know what, we may be running into the wind, but the wind of God's Spirit is not done with this place yet. And we are not letting this baton fall to the ground. We believe in the future of this church community, of this family, and we will serve God by serving it. And they carried it through an uphill climb. And we are recipients of that legacy. If you are here today, there are people who have made baton handoffs, relay handoffs. They've left a legacy that's blessed us. Some of those generations are still with us. Some of those generations are with us in eternity. Some of the generations are just getting started right now. And I think it would be a good spiritual exercise for us as they have handed it off and cheered us on if we would just do this and we would put our hands together and give thanks and praise for that legacy. Could we do that together in both of our worship venues? Praise God for them. Some of the holiest moments in my life have been the times when I've had the sense that there are those Christians who have gone before us who are kind of cheering me on or cheering us on. It's a holy and powerful thing. But I also want to ask you now, and I think the Christians who have gone before us would ask this question too. What are you handing off now? How are you preparing for the handoffs that you're making? Because God has put things into your hands. He has given you wisdom and experiences and skills and faith and gifts of all kinds. And it's meant for you to run your race, but it's not meant for you to hold on to forever. It's meant for you to put it into the hands of others. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I heard a story standing right out here in our church commons. I'm a couple who's a member of our church. They have adult children now. And one of them was telling me the story about one of their daughters when she was a young child. And she was here as a part of a Bible study program that we have hosted here for a long time called Bible Study Fellowship. And while the mom was coming to the adult portion, her daughter was coming to the child care program. And my father-in-law, my, my late father-in-law, Bill Call, was a volunteer week after week and year after year to help provide child care for them. And I know a lot of us guys, we don't usually volunteer for child care ministries, but my father-in-law was a great man and, and he did that. And there, while he was with them, he not only kept them safe and cared for them, but he tried to show them and communicate to them about the love of Jesus. He was building into them. And she was sharing with me now just a few weeks ago how my father-in-law Bill had prayed with her during this childcare opportunity. And she was raised in a Christian home. But it was at that moment that she prayed with him and acknowledged and received that Jesus was Lord in her life and made that imprint on her as a young child that has continued to stay with her as she has grown into her adult years. My father-in-law was a man of very, very few words. I think you could count almost all of his words on two hands. He was a quiet man. And yet, I know multiple people who can point to him as the one who pointed them to Christ. And what a powerful legacy in an environment that you might not have expected him to be in with a personality you might not have expected. But we leave a legacy behind. We make handoffs, and we want to make them well. And I think about, in maybe a way that's a little bit more expected, I think about some of the people who have 
left legacy gifts or bequest gifts or inheritance gifts, both to First Lutheran Church and to Magnuson Christian School over the years. And some of those gifts have gone directly into the ministries that operate and have operated for years in this church and have done the work of Jesus Christ here in this place. I think of some of them who have gone into longer-term things like our endowment funds or into these building campaigns we've had in the past that build the facility that we use and enjoy and that serves God's purposes right now. I think we have a lot to be grateful for for the handoffs that they made. In fact, one of the ways, just to be honest with you, is one of the ways that in my family that we're going to respond to this story today is that we're finally going to develop an initial estate plan for ourselves. I'm embarrassed to say that because we're way past the age where you're supposed to do that, but we haven't done it yet, and neither have a bunch of you, I imagine. <laughs> and if that can be a complicated thing, and I don't know how to do it, and maybe you don't either. And because of that, we, did, we put together an educational opportunity. And if one of the ways that you want to respond to this story today is to respond in the same way, there's a table on the commons where you can learn about that, and about a week and a half there's an educational event you can participate in. We all make a lot of handoffs. We do it probably every day of our lives, and we prepare to make rather large handoffs at the end of our lives. And I think one of the questions that we should be asking ourselves is, how are you making those handoffs? And what are you handing off? But then the other question that I want to ask you is, as you hand it off, are you ready to cheer them on? Once you've gone through that phase where it's in both your hands, are you ready to take your hand away and cheer them on? I want to share with you something that was hard for me to hear the first time that I heard it, and I want to acknowledge it might be hard for you to hear the first time you hear it too. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Within two generations, probably nobody outside your family will ever say your name out loud again. Within three generations, it may be that most of your family doesn't remember your name anymore. But that's okay as long as they still know Jesus' name. Because leaving a legacy and making a handoff is not about you, it's not about me. It's not a little self-permanence project. It's not about making an idol of my own name or my own reputation. But leaving a legacy and making a godly handoff is about participating in the work that God has done and that God is doing and that God will do. And you get to run your lap. And we all get to run our race. And eventually we all get to make that handoff. And then we get to join the great cloud of witnesses, as the Bible says, the great communion of saints in eternity. And we will have made our handoff, and we will cheer on the next generation that continues to run. And there's a very, very good chance that God will lead the next generations to places that he has not led us. And that's scary for some of us. It makes all of us nervous. Change is a scary process. But I would encourage you to celebrate that and be glad for that and to be encouraged by that. Because the reason that God can call another generation to a new lap and to a new course is because we will have run ours. Because we will have completed our course. Because we will, as the Bible says, have run the race that is set before us with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And now we hand it off to them. And they get to run their course. And we get to cheer them on. We hand it off well, whatever it takes. And we cheer them on as loud as we can. Let's pray together. Good and gracious God, I am so thankful to you. We are grateful to you for those who have made handoffs into our lives. And God, I pray that you would give us the grace to thank those who have led the race to us. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the vision and the love for others to run the race that's set before us. 
And then, God, I pray you give us the courage and the vision and the love for others to make the handoffs that you've put in front of us, the experiences and the gifts and the knowledge of you that you've shared with us. God, I pray that it would not stay with us, but that we would put it into the hands of others. We live and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.